Folks, if you'd like a copy of my best-selling first book, Tales of a First-Round Nothing, head on over to ecwpress.com. If you'd like a copy of my second book, Tales with TR, Fights, Film, and Folklore, head on over to www.flankerpress.com. If you'd like either copy personalized, just add a note. Thanks for listening to my podcast, and happy reading. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Tales with TR, episode 149A. It's great to be here. By here, I mean in the podcast land, I'm living right now for the next, well, I'm staying for the next month and a half or so here in beautiful Sudbury, Ontario, and apologies for last week. I didn't get a pod out, and as we as we speak, I'm actually in Ryan Madman Michael's McDonald's room here. Uh, thanks a lot, buddy. By the way, no um, because I left my computer, my computer, which is ground zero for my podcast, I left it at airport security coming through in St. John's, and. Uh, my good friend Janet Cull went out and a great musician, by the way, look out, uh, check out some of her music. Fantastic voice and uh, really a legendary musician that defines part of the, hmm, that downtown Newfoundland sound that's not Irish. If you're outside the island, you often associate with Newfoundland or you, you associate Newfoundland Culture and music a lot with the Irish, which makes sense. We do have huge Irish representation and ancestry, hence Ryan. My name used to be O'Ryan, by the way. Um, but it's not all that exists. We have a vibrant arts community. Janet is uh, a real, real good vocalist. Well, I should say, you know, a, a great vocalist. Um, very, uh, my favorite when she does jazz. Uh, her favorite's Alicia Keys. Uh, you know, just a, a great vocalist. I, I would like to pin her to one genre, but you can't really do that. And she does a lot of rap now or guesting. Um, in that world. Okay, uh, her latest release. I couldn't remember. It's DK. She raps right now, currently with the... Uh, Dude that goes by D-K-D-E-C-A-Y, and he's actually pretty talented. Anyway, shout out to Janet because she sent me my computer in the mail when I got it at the airport for me. They found it. And uh, 
But Janet assumed that I would want it sent uh, for the cheapest route possible. I needed it here quick, but I didn't. And, and I would have because I'm a thrifty motherfucker. But uh, no, normally, yes, but I, I needed my pod uh, or my uh, computer to do my podcast. Hence, I'm here using McDee's right now, but it's great to be uh, here with all you. McD, here actually you're behind me. Now we're going to interview McD on Thursday, okay? Yeah. So we're going to you're you're going to we're going to sit down. We're going to have a beer. Um, we're we're going to talk about our experience here so far, and uh, I guess some highlights of your career. But you know you're a big hockey guy, so we're going to talk a little bit about the playoffs, maybe the Leafs, our time in Sudbury, Shorzy. I mean we can't talk about too much, but surprise, surprise, we're here in Sudbury. People know season two is being. Uh, being filmed. Now, just one quick thing, one question before we get there. How has life been in the last year with a newborn little boy? Oh my gosh, man. Uh, it's been, uh, well, uh, not, not a lot of sleep, but it's worth every little, uh, <laughs> worth every tired moment. Um, he's chatting away now. Um, it, it's, it's, it's just been, it's been pretty magical, man. No one can prepare you for it. No one can prepare you for it. There's no books. I mean, there, there's tons of people that can give you advice and stuff, but you, you feel like, I feel like you just roll with it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like just so much stuff happens that you just got to roll with. And, uh, so I'm, I'm still learning big time, but I'm, uh, I'm a proud dad of a little boy. So he just turned one and, uh, and we had a little birthday for him and everything. And, uh, he smashed up a cake and we, we, you know, we're, uh, we're doing it. And, God bless my partner, Diana, who's back there looking after him right now while I'm out here shooting because I can't imagine it's easy. But uh, we, we, uh, she's, she's a great mom, so we'll, we'll get her done. So, yeah, buddy, it's been good. But we'll, we'll catch up more in a bit. Thanks. I really appreciate it. Me and McD have been hanging out. Uh, you know what I find, uh, to pick up what McD just said, and I know some of you out there have kids, Young and old, we have a big, uh, diverse listening audience, i am realized lately, which is great. It's magnified when I go into Toronto because um, you see how many Shorzy fans and whatnot. Like I said, home in Newfoundland, people are sick of my mug, but up here we, I often get uh, approached about Shorzy and sometimes spitting chiclets or whatever it might be, but a lot of people in Ontario are really receptive towards the show. Anyway... So we have a diverse, a lot of you have had kids. For me, uh, not that you asked, but uh, I find since Penny Lane, it's really given me a perspective on time because okay, she just turned 13. And I can't, you know what I mean? Like it starts to be, you can't remember, even right now, you, you wouldn't be able to really imagine life Without your boy, but he's only a year. But now if you go back, it's like, whoa, like, you know, a lot happens, a lot of responsibility. Think of all those hours. You already got thousands of hours put in, right? Right? It's only one year. But so as it gets, so for me, looking back, right, I look back, I, can, I, I know exactly where I went. And I can think of when she was one, when she was two, when she was five, when she was seven. My life is more, I, I look back at it more linear since her. Before that, I was just, I don't know, I might wake up and go, yeah, yeah, I might work in Alberta this, this month. Uh, maybe I'll go play, um, you know, a year in the minors somewhere. Maybe, maybe I'll travel to Rome, you know? I, I don't really, 
I don't have anything to associate it to. I was a free spirit. I was learning. I was gathering info. It's almost like I was gathering info, you know, for the first, I guess, 33 years of my life. And uh, it was fun. I'm still having fun. Uh, but having that kid, you know, really puts things into perspective. So, um, anyway, thanks again to, uh, to to Janet for sending up my computer. And I probably should have her on here at some point. But uh, anyway, check it out. Her, She's really got a great voice. I'm not just saying that because I feel her owe, or I owe her something. I just don't normally have musicians on here. I really probably should get more musicians and more uh, female guests. Leah Hextall went over well. And, uh, you know, I guess it can never hurt to try to bring more and more diversity to the show. And not just to do it. I'm not just going to have all of a sudden some farmer from Kenya on my podcast just to do it. Like, you know, I like to have people on that are really mean something to me, the hockey community, um, the, the TV watching community, something that really is relevant to my life. I don't want to put it on, but there's all kinds of women and artists that I could have on here that kind of cross over into the hockey world. And the next one, I'm looking at you, Maggie Connors, who's about to graduate from Princeton University, one of Newfoundland's best young hockey players. And, uh, she played a little bit for, for Canada last summer, did real well, and is a smart, smart young lady, young hockey player that we're all proud of in Newfoundland. So she will be coming on first. Maggie, uh, if you're listening, uh, I know we spoke about it earlier in the year. I can't even remember if I got back to you, but I, I know that things get busy this time. Same thing with Alex Newhook. I'll ask him after the season. Dawson Mercer, a lot of people wanted Dawson on. I like to wait till those guys get to unwind, you know. Uh, Jeff Merrick was another one. And I asked Jeff, and he's nice enough, you know, but the thing is, and he's in Toronto now. I, I texted him the other day to go to a go to a game, and he was watching his boy play uh, in the Ontario, you know, the, the provincial playdowns. So it's not like I don't enjoy his company and talk to Jeff. Um, but, you know, a lot of those guys that are involved in broadcasting and girls, I really almost feel bad asking them because I know how busy they are at this time of year. There are little pockets. Um, I knew Leah had a little bit of time off and she's coming to Newfoundland. So it was uh, an opportunity to have her on there for a few days. But for, as a rule, now Ken Reed's the exception. He's one of my best buddies. And I guess, uh, you know, Ken has that schedule where he starts late each day. So. We'll often have a coffee or something or trade texts in the morning and uh, whatever it might be. And, I, you know, Ken, Ken and Sandman, those guys are a little bit different because I talk to them so frequently. But uh, anyway, I uh, the point of it is, or some of it, if there is a point, I don't have my computer or I would have like I know a lot of you send in ideas for guests and want to be guests and I love all of them I just I have one a week right so if I got like 10 coming up then it's tough to plan for like three months down the road because someone something might happen but I do appreciate it all and I appreciate your guys questions 
Um, I had one from Kevin Todd. There you go, Kevin. Keep forgetting this often. I just turn on the computer. There's going to be more rhyme and reason to these A episodes as well. Uh, I'm going to break them down into five things maybe that caught my eye that week and some uh, questions. So Kevin Todd asked me, uh, as far as tough guys, he said, you know, when you when you played, was there anybody that you wanted to fight that you didn't end up fighting? Now, that's an interesting question for me. Now, listen, I don't really... I mean, there's guys I looked up to, but I, I consider myself a scorer. I, I know my NHL stats probably don't lay that down, but there's really a circumstance surrounding that. And I got hurt early. I, I really did. Like, if I look back... I can say what I want about Michelle Therrien and everything. But, you know, I, I did, like, you know, I made it at 19. My third game, I'm in Phoenix. I just had a major concussion. I had to take three months off, right? They sent me back to junior, did well. Came in, like, busted my ankle a, a year and a half later. And I had uh, surgery. Then I busted my shoulder, you know. So I think, and, you know, during the, I knew that I could come back early all those times. And I knew I could benefit. I knew I could help a team being a fighter. Right, I, I don't know if the fighter, the fighter, no. If I'm your goon, if I'm your guy to come in and to answer the bell against like Bugard and Brant Myers and I don't know, go down the list, Colt Noor or Frank the Animal. If I'm the answer, then there's a problem, <laughs> okay? But, you know, back then there was just so many tough guys and it was a real tough era. So usually, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd do it. And, and, and for me, I've often said I'm, I'm not the biggest uh, you know, I fought playing 190. You know, it's not tiny, but for hockey and tough guys, it's not big. I was often fighting bigger. If they weren't bigger like Tidomi, then they were tougher. Very rarely did I grab fucking like Martin St. Louis. That didn't, shit didn't happen. Um, some guys did, man. They picked their spots. But anyway, um, I knew, right? So when I was trying to find my footing in the minors, and, and get to, I knew that I could do that. I, I knew, and again, you can't make yourself score. But check out my stats with Hershey. That was Colorado's farm team, right? And a lot, of, I don't even talk about it ever. But in 2000, 2001, I was holding out. I was waiting just for a trade from Montreal. I wasn't holding out for money. Um, and, you know, Hershey called. And they, you know, they're, they're owned by Colorado. I wasn't with Colorado. So I don't go there expecting to be on the power play, but I want an opportunity. And I was pretty good at, you know, being, I could fight. And, you know, the, I remember down there, who did I fight? Uh, just in that little spurt. I played eight games and I, 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 I've, I'm going to be useful to you, right? Now, my stats, I think, might say like a goal and three assists or something that year. But, you know, I'd had 20 the year before, right? It was just a circumstance you find yourself in. You got to find yourself that role. So my point is, I ended up fighting a lot of tough guys. And that first year in the A, I had 34 fights. Uh, 34 majors, actually. Someone reminded me that I got a hitting from behind penalty. So it was 33 majors, not 34, which I remembered all these years. Um, but that was circumstance. Like, I never once looked like three games down the road like Trevor Gillies might and say, like, oh, I want to fight Mark Major. Oh, I can't wait because I'm, I'm now I had a chance to fight Ryan Vandebush. Never. It never didn't cross my mind. So I look back even at a guy, who do I really love as a fighter? Bob Probert. But I'm not like upset I didn't fight him, right? I'm, I'm upset I didn't get a chance to have a breakaway on, I don't know, 
Jesus, Marty Turco or something. I actually did that. I went to Dallas camp. I was going to say Patrick Waugh, but I had a breakaway on him too in camp. I had a breakaway on Hasek. Those are the, my, my three favorite from that era. But, you know, or score, you know? Like, it would be nice to get a fucking nice goal in the NHL. It would have been nice to, uh, I don't know, score on Brian Boucher, one of my buddies from junior. And those things didn't pan out like that, but that's what I was thinking. And I think that's what everybody was thinking. Now we're 25 years later. People kind of, and YouTube has a way of emphasizing the rough stuff, which is great. That's what lasts, right? And I mean, I got more fights on YouTube than goals. Um, most of my goals in junior, you know, are on some VHS tape somewhere. It's not like they were on TV, maybe in the Northwest United States. They're out there. But, you know, the point is, I never considered myself a fighter. Would I back down from it? No. Sometimes starting a game and the fans were on me and I'm in a slump, I would even fucking gr gr grind my teeth and say, fuck me. Fuck it. Bring somebody on. Right? Just wait for... But I still need a reason. And I wasn't looking at the other bench going, oh, I'm going to pick him. I can't wait to fight him. I'd still wait and there was always a reason back then. Someone would go on and spray the goalie. Someone would fucking start chirping, just like now even. There's less, but there's, a, there's fighting. But there's a, you can find yourself a reason if you're sitting on that bench. Look at Wayne Simmons. He's classic at it. He'll go out and, like, fucking, you know, kind of get too close on the face-off, chop a guy real lightly just to let him know he's there on the back of the legs. There's a bit of a scrum. He pushes him. He gets his glove up in the face. The visor hits the guy, right, comes up against his face. He's pissed off. He starts chirping. They might get two each, get out of the penalty box. Simmons has started a fight. They're going to go. The place is going to go mad. He's real good at doing that. But even Simmons, I don't know if he sits there before the game. I can't put words in his mouth and says, you know, I want to fight Lucic and I'll be upset if I don't. I mean, I don't know, but I never, ever thought like that. At the most, it would be a general, fuck me, we're on a three-game losing streak, I'm going to go fucking crazy tonight. But it wasn't ever directed at anybody. I think then the nerves would have really gotten to me. If I thought to myself, as like basically I was a kid, like my NHL experience is that of a kid, Right? Everybody's is different. People often ask me, well, you know, what is Mark Giordano thinking in that situation? I don't fucking know. He's 40 in the NHL. It's old hat. For me, it was like I, I never really got out of that phase of I can't believe it. You know, like uh, this is awesome. I'm in the NHL. Uh, you know, oh, my God. Like every day I go in with to work with Mark Recchi and Shane Corson and, you know, I'm living with Darcy Tucker and, you know, those things, I'm not going to say I was always like fanboy either, but I have such an appreciation for the Habs and for the NHL, and it just seemed so impossible growing up being from Newfoundland that, you know, it was always a real, um, as much as it might seem publicly that, you know, I had my ups and downs with Montreal every single day, even at the worst of it, I had to pinch myself and... You know, whenever I had my coffee in the morning, I would smile and say, fuck, man, this is great. I remember being called up with Aaron Asham. Prospects, we just had a great year in the minors. Check it out. I believe it was the 80, 98, 99. And uh, I was rookie of the year the year before in the minors. This is why I wanted out of Montreal. I mean, rookie of the year. And I make it in 96, 97. Concussion within 96. 7.98, I'm rookie of the year, 20 goals, 21. 
256 minutes. And the Habs, I believe they, of all those years, they crept, snuck into the playoffs that one year and got beat. But anyway, I was 98-99. So then 98-99, I go back, and I can't remember, but I think I had like 45 points in 50-something games. Like I had more points per game, but I was called up. 30 games I missed. I was called up for most of them. I just didn't get, didn't play, um, which was fine. Uh, Aaron Ashram had a great year as well. He was a rookie that year. He's a year younger than me, but we were buddies from Red Deer and Junior and everything, so it was awesome to play with him. So they called us up for the entire playoffs in 98-99. I've often told the story about Ash punching out an Hell's Angel guy at, um, at uh, uh, Super Sex the name of the strip club we probably shouldn't have been there that night but anyway it happened now they made made up or i wouldn't tell this story um and i'm not going to now but anyway that was the year so me and ash were up there for like two months because we were knocked out and then went up and then even after the year they kept us around to train with the team and most guys went home but the guys who stayed you know play shinny get to know montreal a little bit like i said the plan was that we were going to play there anyway I remember Ash, and every single day we woke up, man, we'd go down and we'd grab breakfast, usually at this place called Egg Spectation at the end of Crescent Street in Montreal. And uh, it's a great spot, eh, McD? That's a spot. Yeah. <laughs> we'd go there, and then if it was later in the day, we'd go to... Celine Dion had a place called Nickel, and it was right on St. Catherine. There was three of them spread out uh, down St. Catherine, like diners, 50 places. I loved it, and you could always... <laughs> Looking back, man, we were kids. We loved going there for the spaghetti. It was what was it? It was pizza getty. So it would be a pizza cut in two on each side of the plate with a big bit of uh, spaghetti in the middle. You could get tortellini rosé there, and we loved that. And we could get it cheaper than anywhere, and just loved it. But looking back, it was just I don't know. It was probably out of the microwave. It was it was a cool looking spot, but. Uh, I don't know if it was as far as, you know, what the culinary rating would have been. But anyway, those are all great memories. And I remember going there with Ash and Matt Higgins and Brad Brown and all the time, like, looking at each other and going, can you fucking believe it, boys, we're in the NHL? Like, that's what we were thinking. Now, you might read the paper and say, you know, what's Brad Brown wants to get in? He's the second year in the minors. He's only got three games played. Terry Ryan looks frustrated at practice. It might have been... From tea to green, the best place to get in on all the action happening in the links is DraftKings Sportsbook. This week, new customers will receive an odds boost to add plus 1,000 to any pre-tournament wager up to $10 on any golfer to win. So for example, if you are a new customer and you see a golfer to win the tournament at plus 1,000 odds, DraftKings will boost that golfer to plus 2,000 odds for your shot at a bigger payout. DraftKings will be featuring parlays and odds boosts all tournament long, so be sure to check the DraftKings Sportsbook app every day before the tournament starts to see what they have in store. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN and boost your odds during this weekend's tournament. That's code THPN only on DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum agent eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for complete details. I remember there being an article that I was frustrated at practice because, and this wouldn't be in the Gazette where they just report normal to like a little bit excessive on the Canadians. But La Presse and Journal de Montréal, 
these things have like 30 pages of the Canadians, just the Canadians, let alone sports, each day. At least they did then. And, uh, and I can read French. I just can't speak it very well. Um, but anyway, I remember it. And I like slammed my stick off the post. And, and they would be there watching the practice. And when practice would end, of course, the young guys are going to stay out and we'd do our thing. And often we'd encrypt. They were great. Uh, uh, Steve Schutt and Yvonne Cormier would let us, instead of bag skate us and go like blue line back, red line back, or do wallies or whatever, because that sucks. He would, they would let us play three on three or like go over and back hard twice and then a breakaway. So we just used to put money on breakaways. And I remember... Jose Theodore shut me down and went in 500 bucks off me. And that was a lot. At no point did $500 was, was that easy to give away. Even that would have been the year, you know, I was making good money. But anyway, that's what we would do. So I remember that. And at the end of practice going, fuck, and cracking my stick off. I didn't even think anybody was watching. It was purely because I fucking owed Theo money. And then it was like, we would do stupid stuff. Like we, we would play for money we would play for dinners and we would play for like if it wasn't a monetary thing say i would have to like if i lose the bet i would have to like wear mustard stains on my shirt and my face for the afternoon and act like i didn't know it was there and have you know like embarrassing shit like that right um or go hit on a girl by singing a song and i couldn't do it you know or something like that. We would always just come up with stupid shit. So I was cracking my stick because of that. But then it, in the press, it was like I was pissed off and they were drawing line. Terry wants to get in the lineup. What the fuck's going on? I remember actually having to go into L.M. Vigneault when I read it. And I'm like, dude, I barely read the paper here. I'm, I know we're not supposed to, but it's a good thing I did because I'm not frustrated at that. It's all good. Like, for fuck's sakes, you know, like playing ahead of me in that position was like, I don't know, Corson or fucking Turgeon or something. Like, at no point was I cracking my stick because I was the least bit frustrated. At the v most, it was the very most, it was a dinner or, uh, or, or losing a bet to Theo. But I remember. Mustard stick. <laughs> yeah, we would just do shit like that. And I would be. You know, if you're looking at a bunch of buddies playing for pride, like I was more upset with that because we're out there like two hours getting bag skated and then just have to give your money and Theo would play it up, right? That's where the... Remember I told you Ovechkin hot stick? I, 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 that's where I... So we, if I beat him, though, I would fuck around like that and I brought that out because I used to do it in junior and he loved it. Then I did it in a game and then he got traded to Washington and showed Ovi. Oh, my God. I swear to you, I know that sounds insane. But I spoke to Jeff Merrick earlier. Jeff Merrick broke the story. He called me at home after Ovechkin did it. And he said, you know what? I might be the only fucking one in the media, but I saw you do that in Red Deer. And he said, he flew me. He said, do you want to come into Toronto studio? It used to be the NHL Hockey Night in Canada was on Sirius Radio. And so they flew me right in here, man, to Toronto. I walked into the studio and I did an hour interview. The day after he did that, well, maybe a week because I was in Red Deer. But that's the truth. Yeah, it was, I, I, it was my move. Hot stick. Stick's hot, baby. And my version was much better, by the way. Mine lasted like, t yeah, five minutes. I would do it after a star, though, or like, you know, after the game. Anyway. Um, so, you see how, like, and, and that's why a lot of us, I find to try to put words in somebody's mouth in a dressing room is just, it's real tough. 
There's been lots of situations, good, bad, and ugly. Um, what bad r- r- pops into my mind is Babcock. Remember a few years ago, Babcock sold out Mitch Marner, whatever it was, uh, you know, word got out. I can't remember, but it was a private conversation between him and Marner. And it had happened, and I I guess it was in the in the room, private, meaning there was a few people around. Whatever it was, I can't fucking remember. But maybe it was Babcock saying to Marner, hey, you know, it was along the lines of these guys, you know, are saying that maybe you need to... No, it was who do you think I should sit or something like that. It was a question that's a little bit over the line for a coach. And I'm, I'm sorry that I'm butchering whatever it was, but it was something. Point is, it was something that was said that got out in the media. Now, I fully believe... I know lots of people that have played for Babcock. Um, I played for Michelle Therrien. I know what it's like to have an intimidating coach. I really don't think they're in the same category, knowing some people that played for both, but who knows? Who am I to say? But what I am going to say is they see each other every day, hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. So there's a nuance, lots of them, to all that. There's context that we can't even understand Right, the, just a bunch of people that you know are working together, making a living together, that are in the public eye together, and then are private together. You know, that, that same day they probably got on the fucking plane and had a chat, and and I don't know, grabbed a coffee and talked about fucking Seinfeld. You know, you know, like you, it's just such a it's it's a lot to break down. I, I often talk about Michelle Terry, and I really didn't like the guy, but. I always try to point out after I've said something that's crazy because he was a crazy motherfucker. And in my mind, I won't say a bad coach. He fucking really knew the game. He was, he was, you could almost make the argument he was a great coach. But the off-ice, the ignorant stuff, that I don't know. Who, who knows? Maybe he's over that. But point is, I always try to point out that there were, uh, there were often other times that we got along. Like I remember him after a game, I was icing my knee and he... I was going to go out with the boys and he invited me up and I, I went up to his room and he was watching a game and he, and he actually, I think he was icing his knee too. I don't know. If, but anyway, he had a bunch of ice there and you know, I, I went up and I, I, I wrapped some up. I, I wrapped it over my knee and we watched a little bit of TV together and you know, we shot the shit and I realize now that a lot of him trying to be intimidating was a tactic because when he played, he wasn't a tough guy or anything. Um, but he he loved that approach. So maybe he saw what he needed to be more of as a player and thought, you know, if I was this, I would have been more successful. So then in turn, you know, tried to make his teams maybe more tough. And I don't really hold anything against him for that. I don't like the way he handled me, but I didn't really treat him the best either. I didn't respond well. It's the equivalent of a kid going, well, you started it, right? Like, that's what I'm doing. Because he did. And I do think that being the coach and me being a kid, it was rather ignorant, a lot of the things he did. Not starting with smoking on the bus the day of a game, which wasn't directed at me, it was everybody. But uh, I just think that there's more to it. I used to get upset, too, when people would categorize it all. Like, hey, Terry, you're... What the fuck is Rajon will do? And they should bring you up more. Even there, like, I know. But I know what Reggie was thinking. He didn't think I was a good enough skater. I disagree with him. 
but he was nice to me. Reggie would, I don't know, invite me in for a coffee, come down, is everything all right? And I remember having that conversation once. You know, why'd you pick me in the first round? He said, well, I didn't. I probably wouldn't have. Uh, You know, you're not a good enough skater. But there was also a language thing. Like, when he said that to me, it really sounded abrupt. But Reggie has a, I mean, he understands fluently bilingual. But he has a way of explaining it that because he's French and it's coming at you from that side, it seems very abrupt and maybe, that's the word, um, not compassionate, very st- structured and black and white. But he really is a nice guy. I went to a game. He set me up with tickets for my daughter, uh, took us down to the alumni room uh, just a couple months ago. Like, I can't say enough about it. Do I agree with him about my hockey career at the time? No. But I really should have gone back to camp. It's my fault. It's my fault, right? And I remember the first time I actually came to acceptance of that was years after. But anyway, um, not even sure what the point of that was. And I got to take off here pretty soon uh, for day two of filming. Shorzy, love it. And uh, But one of the things I am going to do for those of you fans that are going to be at the Jays games this weekend. I'm going to head down on Saturday. I'm going to be with Joe Dolo. Joe, uh, Jonathan Diaby, now Joe Dolo, plays Dolo on Shorzy. I'm going to go down there with Max Buffard, who plays J.J. Frankie, J.J. And uh, at least those two. We might have some more coming, but we're going to head out. and We're, we're going to that rooftop patio, uh, McD, the Jays home opener. I think it's today. I think. So it's going to be the third or fourth game in uh, their new digs. Well, I mean, they're still playing at Rogers Center, formerly Skydome. I still call it fucking Skydome. But, yeah, we're going to be at the rooftop patio. So let's see how that goes. There's a whole... The Jays apparently put $300 I couldn't believe when they said that. $300 into it, and it's just like a slight difference. People used to build stadiums for $300 You know what I mean? Like, I remember hearing that. I remember, I don't know, whenever, I wouldn't have given a fuck in the 80s. But when it, in the 90s came in and I started paying attention like anybody, either teenager turning into an adult, you know, you read the paper. And I remember teams being bought for hundreds of millions. And, like, renovation to a stadium. You'd get about, build a whole stadium for less than $300 million. Well, you should, like, they look like good... Interesting renovations, but it doesn't look like anything major. Really doesn't. <laughs> like 300 million. Now, you know what they've also done, McD? They put all new seats in the stadium. So they're supposed to be bigger. They're supposed to be more comfortable. That might be, and who knows? I haven't really been in there, right? Right, right. I haven't really been in there. Visually, it still kind of probably looks exactly the same. <laughs> well, I was there. The thing is, I stayed in the hotel the other night. When we went to Toronto, I stayed at the Marriott. And I looked out, I was looking out at the field and I didn't even really think, I forgot that the, and I was driving away in Brandon Nolan, who plays one of the gyms, was driving me back here and it came on the radio. I was like, Jesus. Yes, we were listening to the radio. Uh, anyway, um, anyway, I'm really looking forward to it. So, like I often say, I, off, I, I, I probably won't get all the messages that you people, uh, d- d- you people, you fucking people. No, but... <laughs> that you listeners, fans of the show, um, and I want to, but I, I don't have a big bunch, I don't have a group, 
like Chicklets or Missing Curfew or whatever might be behind me. The Hockey Podcast Network are nice enough. They're great to me, and they 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 produce this show when I send out, and they'll I put it in a package on my computer. I send it out to them. They add the effects. They edit it if I need that. Whatever it is, they're great, but they've got a lot of podcasts, and I really don't have the time to get back to every single one of you. I wish I did. Um, but the point is, when I go to those things, I love chatting. I'd rather meet someone face-to-face anyway. Um, there's a point online, you know, if you have a, you know, some people, I know you, you like the show or whatever, but you send me messages every day and that gets a bit monotonous too. You never met somebody and especially if there's no picture or anything and you're just getting these messages. I find that all, it starts to get even even creepy at points. I love, love going to sporting events or wherever it might be, but sporting events are great um, because, you know, we can shoot the shit, have a beer, have a bite, have a laugh, and I'll sit there with thousands of people, man. It doesn't matter. Um, so what I'm saying is that a large part of my audience comes from Toronto. I know that. And I know that this weekend those games are going to be close to sold out, if not sold out. And if you're out there and you're, and you're listening to this program, please come up and say hi. And not only that, uh, if you're a Shorzy fan, you know, I'll be there with J.J. Frankie, J.J. and Joe Dolo. So it should be uh, not only uh, a bit of fun, but given, you know, fun is one thing. But this is going to be emotionally almost necessary, being that we're coming off the winter. Um, and this is the time in Ontario. In Canada, yes, but in Ontario, especially Toronto, I've often said it. I don't know if the people from Toronto realize it. Look at a map. Look at how south Toronto is. When it turns, it take, when the weather turns, it turns. In Newfoundland, it's a real gradual thing. Like, you know, it'll go, I'm talking Celsius, right? And it's never real, real, real cold. In the depths of the winter, we'll still have days that are above zero. Uh, but, you know, it'll go... Minus two, minus two, zero, zero. You know, the average uh, this week, like, it'll turn a corner. Now it might be five to eight degrees for a month. The odd day, oh, it's 14, wicked. And then it'll go back. In Toronto, I landed, it was fucking freezing. There was snow everywhere. This is one week ago, a week and a day. I looked at the weather. Honestly, it was negative every day. Not too much. It was like minus two, minus high of four. Right Then came to Sudbury, where it was even colder. Sudbury's only three hours north, but even colder, right? Something about it. I don't know if it's a cold front or on the water here, but Sudbury's noticeably colder. If I go three hours in Newfoundland, the weather hasn't really changed that much. Um, but now in Toronto, today it's 16, tomorrow's 20, and then it's 22, and it's just off to the races. Like overnight, it goes from I need long johns to shorts. Uh, I, I, have you ever noticed that? Yeah. It's crazy. Like, people talk about it out west. It's just milder all year. Like, right? Yes, it's gradual, and it's it's never as extreme one way or the other. It's just gradual. Yeah. Toronto, it's like, Toronto, the weather gets nice, and the snow, like, the golf courses literally will open, but the only reason that they might not is because the weather changed so much that there's still mounds of snow when it's 25 degrees. Yeah. By the time it's 20 at home, the snow is way, way gone. It's an afterthought. You haven't... But like today, right, in Toronto, there's in and around the whole drive, there's banks of it. But it's 20. <laughs> it's great, though, in a sports town like Toronto, too. Right? Like, it, I don't know if there's many more major league parks that it's so... 
it's almost timed perfectly. Like if the Jays were playing outdoors, now you can put the dome over, but let's just say they had an outdoor game two weeks ago. It's literally minus eight. It's minus eight. It's like playing in November. Yeah. Now, today, two weeks ago, no, today it's 20. They're going to open the dome. People are going to be hanging off the side of the fucking CN Tower, right? (laughs) Blimps going by, everybody wearing sunscreen. It's fucking wild. But um, I love that about Toronto. I will be at the game. I got to take off now. Uh, people ask me about Toronto Leafs. Uh, we talk too much about that. I'll get to that next time. Uh, the Calgary Flames, in one word, disappointment. Um, Jonathan Huberto, I'm trying to sum up my, what, what, what are some quick takes? Jonathan Huberto was one of, I, I honestly liked watching him when he played with Florida as much as I like watching Mitch Marner. Uh, a lot of people ask what I think his problem is. I don't know, but there is something glaring. He went from fucking Florida to Calgary. Does anybody think about that? I, I love Calgary. Even if you were in the NHL, though, and you loved Calgary, you were from Calgary. You know, one minute you're driving a Lamborghini in South Beach, and the next minute, you know, you're shoveling snow for the whole year. Like, so there's probably a little bit of an of a an evolution of an adapting process. Right, so I wouldn't put it all on Huberto. Something has to change. Obviously, his performance wasn't great. Was anybody's? Um, even right down to the shootout last night. I don't know if you got your last shot. For me, wouldn't you put Toffoli there? Yeah, you know, you know what I mean. Like, so there's really a lot. And say what you want about Sutter. I'm more of a fan than not. But something is going on. There's a vibe, and usually what happens with a vibe when you got Huberto for eight years to a multi-million dollar contract, you know, Sutter, who's getting up there, I don't know what the problem is. Like I said earlier, who knows? There's so much context in a dressing room. Maybe there's, maybe it's neither of the two. Maybe there's something else. But all I can say is that, yes, Jonathan Huberto had a disappointing year, but I don't know of anybody on Calgary that really had an overwhelmingly positive year. I'm including everybody in the... Uh, unfortunately, what's his name there, the GM? Tree Living? I honestly thought he did a great job and they, they fucking blew up in his face. I thought they robbed everyone at the beginning of the season. Given you get a free agent like a Chuck Leave, and not only did you bring in Huberto and sign him from Florida and Uyghur and Kadri... Stanley Cup winner who's, who had a great year last year that's tenacious, that, you know, I, I don't know. I, I thought he addressed exactly what he needed to. And anyway, I'm going off about it. The Flames, disappointing. Changes, yes. Sometimes you just need to make changes. Everybody could be great. Tree living seems awesome. I love Sutter. Hubert Cadre. I've been fans of in the future or in the past. And everything else. I'm just naming them because they're the, number, they're the names that came up the most in my DMs. But... I don't know. It's a sinking ship. Something has to change. Matthew Nyes, I don't know, guys. Do I really think he's the answer? No. And if Toronto... and, and What is the answer, quote-unquote? Toronto are like one of the best teams in the fucking league. They're going into the playoffs. I know their history, but if you take that out, they're flying. Uh, I'd put Austin Matthews when he's on his game up there with anybody. Probably make him number two, I suppose. To obviously McDavid or Drysdale or whatever, but he's up there, and he's flying. McDavid is zo- or Matthews is dialed in. So is Marner. All their best players, O'Reilly, their big trade ace, uh, just back. 
It seems all right. If they're playing nice, it's to audition this guy, get him a few games in. To me, I... I'd be blown away if Matthew Nyes is actually important in the playoffs. I just would. The Stanley Cup playoffs are not to be underestimated. It, it would be. It would be. But um, I wish him the best, and maybe he can help. It's happened in the past in Toronto. Guy I played with on the St. John's Maple Leafs, Adam Mayer, got called up, and I remember Mersey scored his first goal in the NHL playoffs. Now, I also know Mersey is a fucking dog and do anything to win, and there was a little more to his game than someone that might play college. That's it. Uh, I just, it's a different game from, not, I don't just mean fighting, just how many games, how many practices per week, how many games per week. NHL playoffs, every second fucking day you're out there play, fucking at war. I just don't know. Do I wish him the best? Yes. The answer, quote unquote, as people were calling him, <laughs> Toronto does, yeah. If he, he, he might be able to help a little bit, that'd be great. But I don't think Toronto needs one player to be any answer. I think they're really well-rounded. I, I honestly do. And uh, do I think Tampa are? Yes. Do I think they're going to beat Toronto or Tampa? I really don't know. But I think they're, they're, they're the most prepared that they've been. And um, I, you know, I also think they've all done a great job. But if Toronto don't win, it, it's got to be time to blow it up, right? It's got to be. Uh, what do you do? I don't know. I'll talk about that next podcast. But I, I don't think they're going to. And by that, I mean one round. If they can prove to me and everybody else and to themselves that they can beat Tampa Bay. It'll be rough. They're going to run into one of the best teams of all time in Boston, but playoffs, like I said, are a different game. And not only are the Leafs more tough as a team, but all those players that have disappointed in the past, if you want to say that, playoff-wise, I guess, they're all a year older, more experienced, and uh, more deadly offensively. So... uh, and defensively, I guess. Deadly offensively and responsible defensively. Anyway, I've said enough. I'll be back in two days. I apologize for the last time about last week. I hope it won't happen anymore. Episode 149B featuring Ryan, the madman, Michaels McDonald. Uh, have you ever been called madman before? No, but I heard you say it the other day on Instagram. And I, was like, All right, I'll take it. I like just madman. I'm only saying Michaels because yeah, you people are, are are making that connection, but... And it makes sense. It's good. But I, I love Madman. Uh, anyway, we're going to have the Madman on in just a couple days. Thanks for tuning in. If you're downtown St. John's, check out the Bull and Barrel, TJ's Pub, Rob Roy Confusion, Greensleeves Pub, the Martini Bar, and Trinity Pub. Why not? Uh, if you're going to go for a bite to eat, Merchant Tavern, Blue on Water, and Wedgwood Cafe is where I'd go. Power conditioning, take, oh, power conditioning, strength and balance for the body and mind. If you're in St. John's, Newfoundland, check it out. Rope Walk Lane. Uh, It really changed my life. Thanks again to Ryan Power, and I'll be going there for a long, long time, and I recommend any young athlete, not only any young athlete, um, anybody that's just looking to make a change, I just mentioned Janet Cole at the beginning of the show while she is a regular now at Ryan's gym as well. And, um, you know, there she goes. She's, she's a singer on stage. So there's, you don't have to be an athlete. Uh, just get out there and change your mindset. True hockey, take what's yours. And of course, folks, Mr. Lube with two locations in St. John's, Newfoundland on Torbay Road and Kenmount Road. Live, laugh, lube. Check it out. Pitbull pain relief. 
pitbullpainrelief.com. See the pain sticks that I swear by that never quit. I absolutely love them, and I'm about to use them right now as we go shoot our hockey scenes on Shorzy Season 2. Thanks a lot for tuning in, everybody. I'll be back in just a couple of days with the madman, Ryan McDonald. Catch you on the rebound. Thanks again. <laughs>